was valid. And since most of the faithful did not understand Latin either, and viewed the priest's work in largely magical terms, the phrase hocus pocus is actually a corruption of the Latin hoc est corpus meum, this is my body, from the Mass. They did not particularly care about whether or not their local priest was educated either, at least for a while. But the lack of education among the clergy also meant that basic Christian doctrine was not being communicated to the congregations. The typical parish priest did not even preach regularly. That was left to specialists like the Dominicans, a religious order that was established specifically to preach, and whose members traveled from place to place delivering sermons. In cities, finding priests who also preached was less of a problem. Urban priests tended to preach more and to be better prepared than their rural counterparts, though in most parts of Europe about 80% of the population lived in the countryside. At the same time, the better-educated priests in the towns had to compete with the better-educated laity, particularly after the invention of printing. The results were often rather embarrassing for the priests. For example, in Geneva in 1536, just prior to the city turning Protestant, members of the congregation were known to interrupt preachers, challenging what was said on the basis of the parishioners' own readings in the Bible and shouting the preachers down when they could not respond to the parishioners' satisfaction. Clerical ignorance was not the only problem the church faced on a local level. Concubinage was also quite a problem. Catholic priests were required by canon law i.e. the laws of the church, to be celibate, but many of them were openly living with women in unofficial common-law-style relationships that could not be regularized by marriage. In fact, not only was the practice open, but it was actually welcomed in many cases by both the bishops and the local people. Some bishops encouraged priests to find concubines. Since it was illegal, the priests could then be made to pay an annual fine, or if you prefer a fee, for having the concubine, and the bishop thus had an additional steady source of income. As far as the locals go, when reform-minded bishops questioned them about their attitudes toward their priest and his concubine, the men often replied that the priest was welcome to his bed-warmer, since it made him far less likely to go after their wives and daughters. Incidentally, monks had an even worse reputation for lechery than local priests did. There was even an entire genre of off-color jokes devoted to immoral monks, more or less like the traveling salesman and farmer's daughter jokes of an earlier generation in America. As far as nuns go, if we are to believe Italian Renaissance writer Giovanni Boccaccio, there were convents in Rome that doubled as brothels and Luther claimed there were cardinals in the church who were viewed as living saints because they confined their sexual activities to adult women. The problems extended well beyond the local level, however. At the episcopal level, i.e. the bishops, the theoretical overseers of the local clergy, there was a wide variety of problems as well. Of course, sexual immorality and ignorance of doctrine and canon law were not confined to the parish priests. Since many bishops were little more than political appointments from prominent families, these kinds of problems extended to the episcopate as well, though their professional staffs could often mitigate at least the worst effects of their lack of education. The more serious problems at this level were corruption, greed, and neglect of the diocese, i.e. the area the bishop was to oversee. The most basic of these was simony, named after Simon Magus from Acts 8, verses 9 through 24. Put simply, simony is the buying and selling of church offices, and it is a crime in canon law. 
At the time, however, church leaders, including the Pope, used a loophole that enabled them to get around the prohibition, to their own satisfaction at least. Instead of accepting bribes, the popes would make it known that there was a fee for actually assuming the office once selected. The pope could then either set the fee so that only those who could afford it would be candidates for the office, or actually select the highest bidder and set the fee at that level. He would then appoint the candidate who would give him a kickback in the form of the fee for assuming the office. Closely related to the problem of simony was plurality of offices, that is, a single person holding several offices within the church, including several bishoprics. Again, this was illegal, but with enough financial or political clout, a candidate could get a special dispensation to permit him to do this. From this practice flows necessarily a third problem, non-residents. Whether a multiple office holder or not, some bishops lived outside of their diocese and simply collected the income from it, performing none of their...